So turn in your Bibles to James chapter four. While you're doing that, I'd like to share some unrelated information about James. Because I think it was about during the pandemic, I, um, I don't know, just an inside glimpse into um, the, the life of the preacher during that time is you just had to talk to a camera a lot that literally, I'm in this room by myself, right? I guess maybe we had one person turn the camera on, but it was a little weird, you know? And I like to look out and see everybody and say, how you doing? I mean, this is a good time to be together, but... Um, I had to start using my imagination a lot more back then. And imagining, I, of course, I would fill the room with all my best friends. Um, but if, if, I remember specifically at one point, the author of the book that we were studying entered in to my imagination. And I started to think, what would it be like if they were in here listening to me talk about what they wrote? Would they be like, I don't know, that's not, not what I was thinking? Or would they be like, yes, that's, now we're talking, we're tracking, you know? And, um, and so for, since then, it kind of ruined me. I, I really sit here and think a lot about just interacting with the author. And as we started to get into James, it's just been such a rich, just, thought experiment I get like I just fill in as many things that I know about this person like James isn't even his real name if you read it in Greek it's Jacob you know and I go hey I have a fake name too people use I mean it says what's that like you know and uh he 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 was a a blood brother like a half brother to Jesus what did you guys study growing up? What was it like? Like, uh, obviously, Proverbs, like, is a big influence in your life. Like, tell me more. What was it like being so close to him? How hard was it for you guys to make that? It seems like there was some times where you were str struggling with it during the Gospels, you know? And But then he was there, right? Uh, he was there at the beginning of Acts. 1 Corinthians 15 says, James, when Jesus rose from the dead, he went and found James. What did you guys talk about? And how, what was that like? He, he was in the upper room. Think about that, right? He was with them on that day. He became like this really impactful leader in Jerusalem for the next 30 years of his life, just being a part of those early days, you know? I always hear people say, I want to get back to the early days, back to the Acts 2 time, you know? The big mega churches are ruining Christianity. And I wonder what James would say. Maybe there was like 3,000 people there day one or something, right? Like, I mean, maybe that's pretty big too. I mean, he'd probably say, yeah, it was great for a week until our friends came in and lied about their donation and died in front of everybody. Uh, that made it weird. James died in 62 AD and um, Randall Booth, who I call the master Yoda of biblical languages, he, uh, he estimates that by eight years after, okay, so by 70, there was one-third of the population of Jerusalem were following Jesus. You know, and it's just like, I'm just listening and thinking, like, this guy has been working for the church and working for the Lord. And look at the fruit of that that came into that city, even through a drought and through famine and, uh, and even beyond that. This is somebody that I want to listen to. Uh, but I don't know if you've noticed this, but as you open James, it just sort of seems like there's a lot of different themes kind of getting thrown on the table there. And what, what, what I found helpful for me is that to know that this is a book of wisdom, 
much like Ecclesiastes or Proverbs as you're reading those. And, and James sets up the themes in chapter one. There's 12 themes, as he's, but he starts it off by saying, if you, if you want wisdom, you need to ask. You need to lean in. As Christians in this world, trying to figure out how to live life in light of Jesus, we need to have wisdom. And then from chapter two to five, all 12 of those themes circle back through. And you start to see these power shots where, where he is, is expounding in some ways on it. And then here, all the way down to us, we're kind of doing the same thing. And so we've gotten all the way to chapter four. And um, right here in the middle of chapter four, I want to pick it up at verse 13 as we listen to James uh, challenge some things. So if you'd stand with me for the reading of God's word, I'd like to read from James 4 and verse 13. Um, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make some money. Why? Why? You don't even know what's gonna happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. Amen. May have a seat. Join forward a prayer. Is there any of us that just need to be set free today? Holy Spirit, come and do your work in our lives. Our hearts are open and our ears are open to listen to you. And so as your seed gets planted, I just pray that you make it rain. Amen. What is this verse about? Listen to those who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. What's he talking about? I know for me, I'm kind of glad that I didn't sign up for the travel nurse program because that's exactly what those guys do. Sorry, Gabby. Dodge a bullet there. Um, no, that's not what this is about. I've heard people at times even say, like, this is a verse against planning. We're not supposed to plan, and, you know, we have to, um, we have to just walk in every moment, say, what's the will of the Lord? I'm not sure. I wouldn't say that. I think in context of chapter 4, we see a development of the theme of pride and how big of a deal this is. Pride and humility is the, the underlying topic of this chapter, and not for nothing, this isn't a peripheral theme throughout the Bible. This is actually one of the central most themes of the entire biblical story. If we can't figure this out, we can't take very many steps forward in the kingdom of heaven. Humility is kind of hard to trace. Kirk gave me a book uh, this week about humility. And the author of that book, John Dixon, he was trying to trace the word, actually, uh, which... He argues the word is only pretty much only used as negative up until the first century. So be humiliated to be somebody who is brought low or, you know, defeated. These are the humble ones. Until this 
rabbi in the first century uh, was calling people to be humble like him. And then all of a sudden you see this explosion of, of humility being a, a virtue. Something that I, I think to this day, pretty much all of us would agree, this is kind of the better path. If we talk about uh, if you had an opportunity to be humble or to be prideful, we all would just it's baked in now. It's a, nob- it's a much more nobler path to take the humble route. The strange thing about living in, in our inherited culture in America is that though we do agree that that is the better route, do we ever actually take that route is a whole other conversation. Many of us would probably just be like, yeah, 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 but I'm not going to do that. Um, Pride is just a really big entrenched thing in a lot of our lives. As some theologians would point out, pride is often or maybe always the thing behind the thing when it comes to all sin. I like to talk about pride like this. It's not thinking that you're right. It's thinking that you couldn't be wrong. There's a big difference between those two things. It's okay to think you're right. Have an opinion, duke it out, wrestle through stuff. But walking around in life and thinking there's no way that I could be wrong. That's the breeding ground. We cultivate a a very strong sense of pride in that area. There's no way I could be wrong about that that person's intention. Uh, There's no way I could be wrong about how uh, uh, that person who is driving around me thinks about me or whatever. There's no way I could be wrong about uh, this conflict that I'm in right now and and that person. Uh, It's just so easy to judge. Even the verses just directly prior to our verses today, it's like a verse, it's, it's about letting go of being the judge. The thing about the Bible that I like though on a macro level, before we even get into James, is that it's not a story that requires pride. It's not a story that tells us we need to have a little bit of pride in our lives in order to maintain some sort of uh, perception in this world. That's somebody else is telling us that. That's not the Bible. Read it. From start to finish, it's a story about people who actually are moving away from pride, at times even being dragged out of a place of pride. It's not a book of propaganda that says uh, in order to be a part of this, you have to look uh, perfect or look a certain way. When I read it, I see people failing featured. There's no other text like this in antiquity where there's um, kings being shown as immoral and failing in morality and and having a critique that's negative on them. There's nothing like this where the prophets are just having these like big moments like Elijah with like an ego moment where he he thinks he's the only one doing the right thing in the way, like breaking down in front of the Lord, you know, having that moment. Uh, 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 There's nothing like this where the disciples of the main character are betraying him and struggling and oftentimes doing the wrong thing. I mean, look at James in general as you've been reading this. Is this a reflection of of some sort of like just uh, shallow positivity, right? You'd think 10 years in, we've got the church growing here and it's like James, James could just start and say, well, guys, this has been really fun. I know, we're the early church, and so we, we've been doing a great job. I just want to encourage you guys, you're doing great. Dude, this is the first New Testament writing. This is the first document of the New Testament, and, and it looks kind of like this. <laughs> it's like, we got a lot of work to do, people. 
I know some of this is just ancient stuff that we don't deal with anymore, right? Like talking down to each other, favoring uh, the, the rich over the poor. Um, uh, you know, th- this stuff is just, it's, it's like it's inviting us into this story of humility. It's inviting us by saying, just join the party of the truth. Jo- join into this group that says, this is where we're really at. And it doesn't bother God to just for us to be honest with where we are. It bothers God when we lie about it and say it's not there. God opposes the proud, but has nothing but grace for the humble. When James starts to dig into this in this chapter, we can see him not mincing words here. It's very like aggressive language. Like you cannot be friends with God and friends with the world. Humble yourselves and the Lord will lift you up. Draw near to the Lord and he will draw near to you, but you have a choice. You could be near to the devil, but when you draw near to the Lord, it is a resisting and it causes him to flee. There's no room here for just some pride is a part of the story. Some pride is a part of our life and you know we can just have it over here in the corner and, and, and be okay. This is a very important topic. And I think it would just be healthy for each of us to just think about that this week. If you're into homework, not talking to the teachers here. If you're into homework, maybe ask the person closest to you this week just a simple question. Do you think that I'm a prideful person? Or maybe give them a one to 10 or something. Give them a scale. Like, where am I at on that? C.S. Lewis uh, said that if you want to be a humble person, you can't start by just trying harder. You start by saying, I have a pride problem. If we can't interact with that topic, at least, and say, how deep is it? How bad is it? Give it to me straight, doctor. You know, uh, we're never going to be able to move forwards or take one step forwards in humility. And like I said, if we can't take a step forwards in humility, there's not a, there's nowhere we can go, really, in the kingdom of heaven. So James 4 is talking about a lot of the external realities that, uh, Pride can, can start to develop in our lives. What causes quarrels and fights amongst you? But then he shifts halfway through the chapter towards an internal reality where we can have pride woven into some of the most basic decisions of our life. And so I think it would be great for us to just pause and have a time where we evaluate and wonder, is there any of that going on in my life? He points out three big like life decision type of, type of areas to evaluate. And so I just want to talk about those three things just in general, but then also try and twist the screw a little bit on that and see what it sounds like when pride works its way into that. Um, and so the three things that he brings up that I can see in 13 there is time. We can, we can have a conversation about time. Location. Where are we going to live? And Vocation. I only did that because it rhymes, but what's our job? What are we going to be doing? Uh, Time, location, and vocation. So time, pretty big topic for the human experience. We live live and breathe in a sort of a a linear experience, right? Everything is kind of categorized in that way. And as you come into your own, I'm sure that you probably have felt the pressure of time. Especially if you look at pictures of yourself from 10 years ago or 15 years ago. We start to feel it. Time is all around us. And how can we figure that it can become just such a heavy, heavy topic? How many expressions do you hear on a regular basis about time? I don't have time for that. 
And if you can think about it right now, because we don't have time for it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I don't have time for that. I, it's a waste of time. Uh, is this a good investment of our time? Is this something I want to spend time on? I don't have time to sleep. I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to do that. Time is just constantly a factor in our thinking. How long is it going to take? How long is it going to take for me to get done with this illustration? Um, time is a big deal. Finally. I was thinking maybe this was going to be one of those really hard times together. All right, so, so it's a heavy thing. We have to carry that. It's part of our human experience. It's not a bad thing to feel time. What does it look like when pride works its way into time? It's my time. I'm going to do what I want with my time. This is, this is across the board. This is not something that's just a young person versus an aged person. This is uh, a big part of our life is uh, what am I going to spend my time doing? And how is that going to be something that gets me more time in the end? A lot of us, the goal in the end is to arrive at a place where we have all the time in the world. Unfortunately, we get to that point and we have very little time to enjoy all the time in the world. It's my time. The person that says that is, is um, cultivating a, an assumption that if it's my time, I have a lot of time. And James points at that specifically and says, are you sure that you have a lot of time? Because here's where, rubber, where the rubber meets the road with time and, and being a Christian. We just, we have consigned, we, we, we've, we've decided to give our time to the Lord and to the kingdom. It's incompatible with Christianity to say, I am a Christian, I'm following Jesus, but I'm gonna do what I want with my time. It's actually uh, a thing that really happens on a regular basis for me and for a lot of us. I mean, when you become a Christian, we have these moments where you're like, I'm totally in, I'm so excited about this. Jesus is excited about, everybody's excited. He's got uh, good works that he has designed for you to do. He want, he's gifted you, empowered you, given you, you know, and let's, I'm excited for you to be a part of this uh, plan of redemption in this kingdom, in this world, and I want you to be a part of it right now. And it's like, yeah, I'm excited too. I'm excited every Sunday. I'm excited every time I do the study. I'm excited. And I will, someday, I will do those things. At some point, I will. It just is how it feels. It feels right to go. At a later point in life, I'm, I have ambition. I want to be like Jesus. I want to memorize his words. I want to do that. But and at some point, I'll do that. I just don't have time. It's going to take a lot of time to get there. Someday, I'll call my dad, make it right. At some point, I'll say I'm sorry to my wife about this. Or at some point, I, I, know, I know I will at some point get to a better place with my coworker. At some point, I'll, take the, I'll, I'll analyze my rhythm of life and make it conducive to be able to have a relationship with God. I bet it's just not right now. I don't have time for that. All of our at some points, maybe later and sometimes, add up in the end to one word, No. I'm not going to do it. 
And if we assume that we have all of this time to do stuff for the Lord later, it's gonna add up, our life is not that long. It's gonna add up to just saying no. And I don't say that lightly because last time I said that, somebody got married because of it. (laughs) I promise this guy came up to me and he's like, I've been saying maybe later to my girlfriend too long, so now I don't wanna say no. I'm not trying to say that, okay? I told you, I'm like, very careful, but if you need a minister, let me know. I will, uh, I won't stand against my own word here. Uh, but I just do not wanna be somebody who looks back on life and say, I had all the right intentions, but I just said no the whole time. I am so excited to be a part of the kingdom of heaven and to have my life be something where I can just say, Lord, what, is, what do you wanna do? What's your view on, on how much time we spend doing this or that? And, and how can you welcome me into that in an exciting way? We can follow the Lord into this and say, just, uh, here it is. Here's my life. It's a brief life. But you know what? I, I know it's a vapor, but I want it to be a vapor that somewhat resembles you, that looks sort of like a cross if you look at it in the right angle. I, I want that. I don't want my vapor, my mist of a life to just resemble stuff that everybody, that the world values and, and, and resemble things that, the, that don't look like God in the end. I really just want to see Jesus all over the place. I think our church wants to see that. And I think it takes being humble and taking that step forward and saying, here's, here's this thing that I've been holding on to that's really deeply important to me, God, and I just want to bring you into it. I want to talk to you about it. How are we doing with our time? If you're feeling afraid right now, like there's not enough time, I just want to remind you that Jesus Christ died and was raised again in a weekend. He could do a lot with a little bit of time. We can be prideful with our time. We can be humble with it and give it to the Lord. What is the Lord's will? Second thing is uh, location. Location, 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 right? Where are we gonna be? Where are we gonna be doing this kingdom stuff? This is a very big thing that can turn into a massive idol in our lives. Um, houses, property, real estate, cities, states, where are we going to live? We always have to have our eye open on the, on the deals and, and what's going to happen. How can, I, how can I make sure that I'm using my investment in the right way? In, in a culture like ours where um, achievement and upward mobility are like really big topics of worship, uh, this is something that's just ingrained in us. Like this is, this is, this is good. And it's not bad, right? I mean, it's okay to like care about your space and to be into where you live and and to be excited about that. I remember, this is kind of just my life story, taking like a a year of, of, of purposeful poverty, right around the same time all my buddies were buying like really cheap houses. And it was just like, okay, I'm trying to work on my faith, but like, man, this was couldn't be a worse time uh, to, to not do that. And yeah, yeah, eventually uh, Chelsea and I save up. We're, we're getting ready to buy a house, right? And um, this is how frustratingly Christian some of my friends are. That's right. Frustratingly Christian is an expression. 
my buddy was our realtor, and we were trying, you know how it goes, you, you see a thing you like, you want to buy it, and you're like, I can see my family there, and you, you write a letter, you attach your picture, you're trying to make, so that, sell it to me, I want to be, and you just keep missing out on these places because of whatever reason, and I would get a phone call from this guy, and I'd be like, okay, our offer's in, we're waiting by the phone, and, and it would ring, and he'd be like, hey, Danny, I got great news. I'm like, what? God's got something better for you than that house. You know what I'm talking about. That, that is like, oh my goodness, it's true, but I do not want to hear that. And it's just like, if the Lord wills, get out of here with that. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of pressure. Got to look like the cover of Kim Folk magazine or or whatever. It's got to, but it's got to be cheap. It's got to, it's gonna all this stuff that we carry. It's got to have, uh, you know, good space, and we got to use it for the Lord, and we got to figure out a way to not be house poor. But I mean, there's just so much that goes into this. But here's where it gets wacky. We can start with the Lord over here and just be like, okay, this is awesome, right? making space, being hospitable, getting excited about stuff. But then we can leave them over there. We can start looking at this one and getting into that and figuring out our plan and getting stuff. Go- He's still over there. We, can, we haven't talked to him in a while. We haven't said, what do you think about this? Now we're way over here and we've got this whole thing figured out. And then we go, hey, what do you think about this? And, and will you bless my plan now? It's like we have like a like a contract, and we start writing this contract up, filling all kinds of things in it, and then we bring it to Jesus, and we're like, will you sign on this? And that's a tricky place to be, because if he doesn't sign on it, we can start to feel like, okay, well, do you even love me? Don't you know the desires of my heart? And it's like, I can know the desires of your heart and still think it's a dumb plan, but we want that to happen, What would happen in a humble situation is we have a blank piece of paper. I sign it first. I give it to the Lord and say, you fill it out for me. Help me to figure this out. What is your will for me? Where do you want me to be? So many different things that we can plug ourselves into that want want us to give our time and energy and effort for and then tell us that this is where you belong. This is gonna make you happy. But there's one place where we are actually home and it's abiding in Christ and we need to remind ourselves of that and say, you are the vine and I am the branch and I belong ultimately just plugged into you. And just, if you just wanna be humble today and just let it go and just give it to the Lord and just say wherever you want us to be, like Brittany and Joel and, and like Jess Shire and, and Olivia who we're gonna hear for in, in a moment, I know what's gonna happen. You're gonna be overwhelmed with the story that you've been grafted into. A story that started with a guy where, where God said, Leklaka, come follow me into a place where you don't know, and I'm gonna make you into a blessing in that space. There's a reason why at the Feast of, uh, a feast of First Fruits, the line that, that, that starts off is you bring your offering and say, my father was a wandering Aramean. Before I got all this fruit and stuff that we've been working on and in our farm and whatnot here, I, I want to remember that I'm a part of a, like a moving, nimble, uh, Bedouin type of, uh, of a family. 
There's a reason why when Moses was in the wilderness and God says, okay, we've kind of, this isn't really working out anymore, so here's Canaan. I'm gonna stay out here. God bless you. Go on and go into that land. And Moses said, I'm not gonna, we're not gonna do it without you. Have we lost sort of some of that urgency to say, I'm not going to leave you back there and then go in here and and enjoy this blessing. I am not going to take one step without you. You are the vine. And maybe it's been a while, but I want to abide with you. That's our home. And that's going to be just a much more consistent reality as we grow together and as we see the Lord working in this world and providing us with all kinds of opportunities uh, to live here or to live there based on his will and his desire. It's just going to get really heavy really quick if we start to hold on to it and say, it's my, I get to choose where I'm going to be and what I'm going to do and when I'm going to do it. Furthermore, the... The last thing here is uh, we'll carry on business and make money. This is, uh, this is the like trifecta of like the things we describe ourselves as, like when we attach this to our identity, right? When somebody says, who are you? You oftentimes say how old you are, time, where you're from, where you're living, and then what you're doing, right? Like this is, this is something that's uh, just target rich for pride and ego to, to work its way in. And so what are we doing for our work? What I'm concerned about as this, I don't even need to like convince you this is a really big deal, like our, our work and what we're doing in this world. But as we do that, there is a belief or just a pattern that I've seen in our world where you can just compartmentalize your discipleship to Jesus um, and go to work. At some point, like we really started to believe that there, I have, for whatever reason, so much to lose in my workplace that I'm, I'm, I'm not going to necessarily think about how to be Christian there. I'm just gonna preserve that space. And what ends up happening is that becomes a space that is more and more formed actually by the people that are there, by the culture that's there, the culture that we live in, the goals that they set for us or whatever. It's a very tempting thing to just compartmentalize and say, in this part of my life, I am not necessarily, I don't have to be a Christian. Not even that you would act not like a Christian, but I mean, even to not, just to think, I am not going to to, to mess with that. No, I'm not saying every time you go to work, you have to bring tracts with you and hand it out, though that may be the case. But I am saying I don't think that Jesus wants our our mentality to be so uh, compartmentalized. I think you start to see that in cultures where we have a lot to lose. You definitely don't see that in places of the world where uh, it's costing them to be a Christian in general. So this is something that is really challenging in our specific context. Are we gonna allow Jesus to to be a part of our lives everywhere that we go? Not just in a certain section of the pie chart. One of the things that the On Mission class that we're uh, gonna teach this fall in October does is actually starts to help that mind shift uh, to happen and to say, I'm, I am a Christian that is on mission everywhere that I go in this world. I, I am a representative of Jesus everywhere that I go in this world. And I wanna figure out new and creative ways to see the place that God has me as a place where he wants me. 
He wants me in that place because I am his ambassador. I am somebody who's gonna represent him there in my own unique and special way. He is so excited that you are where you are and you have opportunities to figure that out as how do I bring everything that Jesus is into this space? And it is gonna be difficult and challenging, but guess what? We have been tasked with the, with the opportunity to take up our cross and follow him, even into our workplace. The prideful brag is the one that comes up into our hearts. The boast is the one that says, I do not have to follow Jesus here. You don't have that luxury if you have been baptized and you have said, I have, been, I have identified with the death of Jesus Christ and I have received the life of Jesus Christ. And we say things like what Paul said, which is, it is no longer I who live. Where? Anywhere. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I have given my life to the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I'm so excited for what the Lord can do in our workplace, where we live, and what we do with our time. And right now, I just wanna invite you into an evaluation. What percentages are, are we abusing these things? What percentages are we giving them to the Lord? I've seen so many examples of it even today in our community that just blow me away. If you feel like You've been just carrying a burden and it is just very heavy. I think pride is like that. That's what it feels like to have to manage and figure out how to be perfect and how to be at how to, you know, it's just something that we carry with us. And it probably feels like this really heavy suitcase that you're just shifting from one side to the other side and just carrying along. And that road's not getting any shorter. And maybe today's a day where you say, on that Sunday in August, was a day where I just let it go. And I gave it to the Lord, and I said, I just have a mist of a life here, but I want it to look like you, and so what is your will with this stuff? And I know what's gonna happen. The promise of the New Testament is, is those who die on crosses get resurrection power poured out in their life. And the fruit of the spirit that you cultivate in that space is gonna start bringing that joy back to your life again. That peace, uh, that gentleness, it's, it's gonna be so exciting. And the people around you are gonna start seeing the Lord. I tell you what I've never seen is somebody come to the Lord and say, you know why I came to the Lord? Because this group of people was so prideful. They just really drew me in. It's not that impressive to, to, to nurture pride in our lives. It is so enigmatic in this world when they see somebody go, I, I know I could, but I'm, I'm not going to because some, Jesus is doing something in my life. Have this mind, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And if you want to let it go today, I just want to invite you to remember the words of Jesus himself when he said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. What does he say? Learn from me for I am humble. I just want to be like Jesus. I want to learn from him and I want to show who he is to this world. 
He's changing this world. He's setting people free from all of this stuff. And so I just want to be a part of that. And I want to welcome you into that as well. So let's take a moment and pray together. And um, we're going to sing a song and come back and pray for some people as well. So. Isn't it in Isaiah uh, where Isaiah said, I cried out unto the Lord, and as soon as you heard my voice, he responded. You're not busy doing something else and not hearing us when we cry out to you and say, We want to we know your humility. We want to become like you in your sufferings and so that we can receive your life as well. We want, we want to know you more. We see what you're doing in this world. And we think it's beautiful, Jesus. If there's any of us who just been sitting on time and, and assuming a lot out of it, help us to just let it go and to turn to you and say, today, today is the day that you have made. We're rejoicing in it and we want to do what you want us to do today. If there's any of us who feel like we've just made an idol out of our, out of our situation, um, Help us to just have the courage to be able to just trust you with that and let go of the fear that you're gonna mess it up. If there's any of us who have felt like we've just been two-faced, we just been, we've, been, we've been being one thing at work and one thing um, at home, I just pray that you would convict us of that and to just show us how exciting it could be to be a follower, to be following you the great shepherd who follows, who, who leads us right into our workplace. Um, we give these all to you, Jesus. It's your name and in your, for your sake we pray, amen.